So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, man fans. Ollie Mann here with the monthly magazine show For Your Ears. We bring you lifestyle advice, tech trends, sex questions, music picks, and amazing stories. It's the modern man, and here's what's coming up. Whereas with the first kid, you get a sense, hence my first kids are always more damaged, that they know deep down that you're doing this for the first time. <laughs> so they're sort of on the right. Second kid, they're in the they're in the carriage behind. They're like, you've got this. Positive masculinity, monitoring WhatsApp, and controlled explosion swearing. Tom Price and Stuart Goldsmith know how to be a dad. Plus, Dave Benson Phillips, Fun House, Live and Kicking, yeah. Noel's House Party. Alex Fox on how the TV we watch as kids might inform our fetishes later and ollie peart goes looks maxing that's all to come on this edition of the modern man but first your letters and hello to mikey one of our ambassadors from dubai uh, who says hi ollie i just wanted to share that i still love the show still listen religiously and still spread the word whenever i can thanks for being awesome uh, Mikey, thank you. I can feel the firm imprint of the digital backslap you've given me there. You know, people usually, when they write in, try and add something to the conversation. You know, I like that bit. I didn't like that bit. Honestly, I quite like I quite like the idea of people just being like, you know, I've said it before. I'll say it again. I really enjoy your work. <laughs> and here's some money. That's the other thing. Mikey has sent us an extra £40. Um, which we really appreciate. We are an independent podcast. It's my bank account funding this. That helped. Uh, Mikey says, I came to the realisation it's been a long while since I sent you some beer. Hopefully £40 makes up for my poor performance and I'll be better in future. Uh, Well, you've more than redeemed yourself there. Um, I should say for anyone wishing to contribute beer money to the show, the cost of a pint of beer has now gone up. Uh, It's now £4.57 on average, according to the Office of National Statistics. Um, I think you'd probably be hard-pressed to find value like that in a London pub, but uh, such is the nature of averages. So I have amended our beer money pledge form now to units of £4.57. We hadn't updated it for a few years. Uh, But if you do want to show support by pledging the average price of a pint of beer, that is now what you have to budget for, £4.57. Monmanwith2ends.co.uk slash beer money. Thank you to Matthew and Didcot and Ashley and Coburg who have done that this month. Um, Hello to, to Liam, who I know will be listening to this as part of a binge. Uh, Because he says, Ollie, I save your episodes up and listen to them in the car on long journeys from my mum's house in South Yorkshire to our home on the Isle of Arran. That is a long way. 
Um, I've learned lots about the world and about myself from listening, he says. Though, as my daughter gets older, I may have to skip the foxhole. I don't really want to be answering the question, Dad, what's pegging, while driving up the A1? Uh, Fair enough. Although there is that adult shop on the A1, isn't there? Uh, On the site of a former little chef, I believe, between Doncaster and Pontefract. So it might come up anyway. Um, Actually, if, if you are listening to this episode in particular with your kids, just don't. Just stop now. It's quite a lot of stuff uh, coming up later that is concerning. We've got a bit of um, Santa truthing uh, in our middle feature. There are some big swears in the zeitgeist. And actually, as well, a general warning for everyone, in this month's foxhole, a reference to child sexual abuse as well. So a warning there. You know, this is a grown-up show. Um, And indeed, regarding the foxhole, you'll remember uh, last month we wanted to hear back from black man fans on the issue of the supposedly skin-coloured range of condoms that Alex showed me. Um, Sammy got back to us on that. He says, Ollie, as a black man with a dark-skinned penis, I personally feel like someone here has invented yet another problem for people of colour to be exploited for profit. Arguably, clear condoms are the ideal condom colour for accuracy, as a lot of people with dark skin have a penis with a pink head. Looking down to see that my two-tone penis is now monotone feels like the opposite of what this product is attempting to achieve. Uh, Yeah, that was my instinct as well. Thank you for that. Um, And also, foxhole-wise, we've heard back from the lady with cancer who sent us the question last month. Um, She's written in and she says, Thank you so much to Alex. The information she presented was extremely helpful. And Ollie, it was so nice to hear this topic normalised in your conversation. A quick update. I've just gone through surgery and I'm now cancer-free with a final round of precautionary chemo to go. I love the show. It's been keeping me going for the last few months. Uh, Great news and high praise. Lovely to hear from you. Um, All the best. Right, coming up this month, you will learn a surprising thing you should do with your toothbrush this evening, the best parenting advice for boys from Frozen 2, and you'll learn why you might, might, want to put an electrical pad on your perineum. Let's go. Time for the Zeitgeist, your trends tested with our new sponsor, Dirty. Do you remember carrot tea, Ollie Pitt? Yeah, kind of. It was the thing I made, which I made you drink. (laughs) Yeah, we did a challenge on the show. It was years ago now, but it always Mm. sticks in my mind because it was so repellent. (laughs) It wasn't that bad, was it? You had to come up with like the latest trendy coffee that people would be ordering. But anyway, when I heard about Dirty, uh, more about them later, I did think. That's very close to being sponsored by Carrot Tea, and that makes me happy. (laughs) The difference being that Carrot Tea can't yet sponsor any podcasts, but we're looking at it. You've been looking into looks maxing for us. Yes. Last time, Manfan Scott challenged you to give it a try, and he forwarded Mm. you a video, How Looks Maxing Can Improve Your Appearance in 30 Days. It's basically maximising your looks by doing lots of small little things to to make a sort of a big difference to how you look so simple things to begin with like good Uh hygiene you know making sure you brush your teeth getting a good skincare routine going looking after your diet your sleep working out okay this doesn't sound new this sounds like yeah health advice i was told at primary school it's that but hyperfied right these are like so meticulous it requires maximum concentration on lots of little bits of your body for these mini gains in your appearance so that might be doing things with your eyebrows trimming your beard in a certain way 
but there is a, a real dark side to this, which which I'll get onto. Like like so many internet trends. Yes, exactly. This video is literally called How Looks Maxing Can Improve Your Appearance in 30 Days. You've been doing it for 30 days. What did you yeah. do on day one? The first thing I did that was different from my normal routine, because I could do it because I didn't need to buy anything uh, additional, was um, I started brushing my lips, Ollie. Brushing your lips? Brushing my lips, yeah. They advised to do with it With fluoride? No, just with my toothbrush. It's to clear the dead skin on your lips. This is the idea. And then you can use something like Vaseline and put it like on an exfoliation. Afterwards. Exfoliation. Now, yeah. when I first did it, afterwards, your lips, like, they tingle like mad. It's really weird. But then you run your tongue across your lips and they feel amazing. <laughs> like, it genuinely feels really lovely. It's like a nice, nice feeling. And I have been doing that every day since we last spoke. Seriously? So for 30 days? Yes. The first thing Ollie Pitt has done in the morning is brush his lips. <laughs> brush his lips, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I wow. do it before brushing my teeth, okay. sometimes after. But yeah, I brush my I brush my lips. Do you know, so many people listening to this, whatever happens next and wherever we go with this darkness that you're left, <laughs> I do feel people listening to this, all of them tonight, they're going to be brushing their teeth and they're going to think, should I do it? Yeah. Should I brush my lips? Do it. Do it, it, honestly. You know Michael Mosley, the um, sort of BBC health guru guy? Yes, he wrote an article, I think it was in the Times or something, that I stumbled across recently. And it was about kind of things you can do before you're 50 to try and make you live five years longer sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, right. And one of the things he said, and I've forgotten all of it. I've forgotten everything he said about dietary advice and everything. But the one that stuck in my mind was he said, every day when I'm brushing my teeth, I stand on one leg. Right. And it's just a hack to help you remember because you're supposed to stand on one leg for two minutes each day to help your mobility and balance. But because he said, because he created that mental image, do it when you're brushing your teeth, because that's two minutes. I have been doing that. that I've been standing that. on one leg because I completely forgot that I read it. But then that evening, of course, I brush my teeth. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that thing. Do you do one minute on one leg, one minute on the other? Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. Oh, right. See, I'm going to yeah. do that now. So I'm going to be brushing or my lips. morning left leg, <laughs> afternoon Brushing right my leg. lips on one leg. That's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> it just, but it the, the weird thing about it, it, I mean, it is exactly that. It's the kind of thing that you can just do straight away. And th- literally a couple of days after that, I was, I was looking at things that I could I could do if I needed to kind of buy stuff. One of the things I don't do, and I have absolutely no, I've never had any kind of interest in, is a skincare regime. I don't have one. Mm. I've never had one. And this product, this one product kept coming up again and again and again in forums, on videos, and it's called Cetaphil. And it is a, a French sort of face cleanser that you can get anywhere. Like you can get it in your local Tesco's. It's not like a specialist thing. It's about a tenner. Uh-huh. You can actually leave it on if you want or you can rinse it off. And I've been doing that pretty much every day since as well. And I have noticed a little bit of a difference. It's Again, it's a nice thing to do. It's, most, it's supposed to make your skin less oily. And I think all of these things, a couple of other things that I did very, very quickly, I started taking a vitamin D supplement and drinking more water on a daily basis. All of those things, which are really easy to do, they just kind of feel quite nice. It's prioritising yourself, isn't it? Like, even if actually it made no difference at all, if you're doing literally 20 micro things that you weren't Mm -hmm. doing before, you're going to feel like you're putting yourself first in a way that you weren't before. And that in itself, I wonder, psychologically, is behind anyone feeling something beneficial here. Yeah, absolutely. It makes you focus on on self care. So you are you're you're paying attention to what you're eating, whether you're exercising, and that's another thing I've done this month as well that I haven't done in a long time. I've started working out again. You know, forced by this, I've actually lost a bit of weight. I've lost an mm-hmm. inch off my stomach, which is good. You know, I've done wow. all of that, and all of that's great. You know, it feels really really lovely. But the thing with looks maxing actually is 
that the idea behind it has got nothing to do with sort of how you feel inside and mm. and, and and your kind of your your mentality if you like it's about how other people perceive you mm. and to get a sense of this you need to look no further than the black pill section of looksmax.org it it starts off basically by um giving you a uh, or running you through an example of scenarios where your looks will affect the way that girls react to you right oh okay yeah so what it does is it says you know imagine you're a girl and then you see this guy he approaches you and he says hey did you put that cute outfit on for me tonight right and then mm. it's got a hidden picture you click on the picture and it's got a picture of a guy he kind of looks fine to me you know normal guy and then it's like now how did that make you feel you probably laughed at his cockiness is what it says and you rejected his pathetic ass right away and then it gives another example and it's same same question hey did you put on that cute outfit for me tonight and then it's the picture of the same guy same profile everything same shirt but his jaw and his the shape of his head is completely different like he's got a squared like jaw. What do you mean same guy. It is the the same bloke who has looks maxed himself. Oh. To this so, point. Right. So it's a before and after picture. Before and after, where he has physically changed the shape of his face. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Mm. You can't physically change the shape of your face by brushing your lips and using no. cleanser. So what's gone on there then? There are um, a lot of people in the looks maxing community that advise you to do a thing called mewing, which is basically putting your tongue onto the roof of your mouth, and it pushes your your jaw. You have to do this for a long time. But you can't talk if you're doing that, as you just demonstrated. Yeah, you don't do it all the time. You you know you do it as and when, like like you would do exercises. But you have to do it over a long period of time. You know, several weeks, and then it will change the way that your jaw sits and it will it will square off your jaw more why well the the actual uh reason for doing it from a medical point of view is is some people kind of need to do that that's that's why people know about this technique uh for if they've got some kind of medical condition but if you're talking about so normal looking people who then want to make their jaw stick out like fred flintstone why would they do that well the reason that looks max gives uh after this is it says well you know how do you feel now having this guy ask you that question not so cringeworthy now right and right. it goes on to say it you know if if you made a girl laugh today and you looked like the first guy um they're going to think you're ugly and she'll go home tonight and she won't think about you but if you were like the second guy she'll be writing about you in her diary texting her friends and telling them how funny you are it- but that isn't a thing is it just anecdotally i mean even if you take it on his own terms like tall, dark and handsome, I don't hear young women saying, I want a bloke with a big sticky out jaw. I want Bruce Forsyth. Well, well this, is, this is the thing. The thing with looks maxing is that it's, it's an ideal that's been built up by this community of what they deem to be attractive. You know, there's nothing about how it makes you feel. Like, I can understand, you know, like, if I get a new shirt, for example... You know, sometimes makes me feel good. I like wearing a nice new shirt, nice crisp new shirt, feel good, looking good, that's nice. I get that. There's no focus on that whatsoever. It's, it is all about how other people perceive you and how they look at you and how you can pick up women. That is pretty much all it is about. And also presumably, like so many of these things we look into, that beauty standard is really being dictated by the Instagram algorithm. 
Yeah, it is a bit of that, and and actually the, the, the there are nuances to it. Like the square jaw ideal is actually a very Western thing, uh, in um, in Eastern countries that they, they prefer. In fact, they they have their jaws softened because they don't want that square type jaw. I mean, I've literally never thought about what my jaw looks like no, ever. And it's I, like mad, I've isn't been it? on telly, I've had my photo taken plenty. I've never th- I've thought like you know what does it look like that my hair's thinning? You know, do I look too fat? It would never occur to me to think how's my jaw looking. No, and, and, and they take it really, really seriously as well. So one thing that I have been doing uh, most days, and I have done this, and I, I'm intrigued to know if, notice if you've spotted any difference, is a face workout, which is supposed to strengthen your jaw and make it look a little bit more square, but it's without you know reshaping your face. It's not the same as meowing. And you, you basically, what you do is you get your tongue and you go like this. So I'm putting it in front of my, my um, uh, front two teeth uh-huh. and just keep doing it. Keep going, and then after you've done that for a minute, you then poke it out to the left and then to the right. You keep poking your tongue far out to the left, far out to the right, far out to the left, far out to the right, until your jaw's sore, actually. And then it's supposed to um, square up your your jaw. I don't think my jaw has changed in any way. Does your fiance think it has? No, I think I think if um, I think if I did it for longer, it would, because it, I can feel it. Uh, burning my jaw muscles and Ooh, I find it, it so weird makes yeah, me feel freaky uh, yes exactly so I, which I'm not going to carry on doing it but if you did do it for longer I think it would it probably would because it would build up your jaw muscles and how far does this obsession go for people who are in this community really dedicating their lives to looks maxing well surgery it goes as far as surgery on their jaws uh, on their jaws yeah there's been a significant rise in fact of surgery since the pandemic uh, for for men especially, so this is according to the uh, Aesthetics Society, and they've seen a fifty five percent increase in facial procedures, and that was in twenty twenty one. And men are getting more commonly they're getting things like chin implants and a surgical tightening of of the jawline called a a submentoplasty. I have not pronounced that properly, but that's what it's <laughs> called. But the idea is that it tightens your jawline uh, surgically, just so that you look more defined in photos. It's just baffling, isn't it? Are you th- sort of think as well, like, presumably surgeons who went into jaw surgery did it for... because they thought they'd be working on people that were involved in car accidents or well, something. Well, exactly, yeah. Like, yeah. Just to do that cosmetically. It's not even... Like, even, you know, a boob job, a nose job, I sort of understand why people think that defines the way they look but like i say this jaw thing that seems to have just come about recently it is loaded with aggression as well so when on these on these forums and on these communities the way that they're talking about people that don't believe in looks maxing or have a certain appearance the language they use is utterly disgusting you know like we're talking you know unrepeatable stuff quite frankly it's horrible that they're sort of building up this sort of hyper-masculine, really quite violent group of people. I don't necessarily mean physically violent, but just going out and yeah, you know, abusing people that have uh, that look different or that don't conform to the way that they they perceive beauty to be. That has actually sort of that spurred out into other parts of the internet. So um, on Reddit, always a friendly place. There are many, many, many threads where you can basically go to get yourself rated so you can get your face rated in fact you can get anything rated you can get your cock rated if you want you can get your fanny rated you can get your ass rated so i did do that i put 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 my face up 
and you have to put a a picture of your of yourself up and then like your to prove it's you you've got to take a picture of yourself with your handwritten reddit profile and did you did you take genuinely the best picture of you i basically took a picture of myself unwashed in the mirror just before bed yeah um, three stars thought, isn't it yeah, well it's out of 10 chase. <laughs> and that, okay, i only got seven, i only got six. i only got one rating i got right. one rating 5.2 Okay. Very specific. Did you look at the other 5.2 men and be like, oh my God, do I look like that? <laughs> it is brutal. Yeah. So there are women putting their pictures up on there. So this is sli- it's slightly different here. There is There are more women on here than there are men. And, you know, they'll be like, yeah, 4.3, your nose is a bit big. It'll be, I mean, my, just... Mine was actually 5.2, nice beard. That's what I got. <laughs> I t- I'd agree with that. I'd agree with nice beard. I'd go high. I mean, I didn't see the photo, obviously, but, uh, yeah. you know, imagining you unwashed in the mirror, I'd go higher. I'd go six, nice beard. But see, the thing is, right, of all the things we've ever done, right, on, on this, on, on yeah. the zeitgeist, genuinely, when I was going through that and and looking at all these people, that, and I am not kidding, we're talking hundreds a day, posting their picture, asking other people to rate them, based on their appearance and fuck all else because that's what looks maxing's about it, it basically says it's got nothing to do with your personality a woman doesn't care about your personality they care about how you look right yeah. it is genuinely the most sickening disgusting hideous fucking thing i've ever <laughs> ever had to do and i am not kidding i am not kidding all of those people on there i feel so sorry for them the people that are posting on there are genuinely insecure they're genuinely worried about how they look. They mm. range in age from 18 to 48, if not older. They come from all different walks of life and they have got people saying to them, you look like this and your nose is a bit big. Your eyes are a bit wonky. You could do something about your skin. Be comfortable in who you are. That's what yes. we should be saying. I mean, look, listen, uh, I, I applaud what you're saying. I applaud your sentiment and I agree with you, really. But just to find another side on this, I mean, some people do like kind of working with numbers you know they like to know an honest aggregate opinion of what a group of people that they respect the opinion of would think of their appearance and they would find that useful unbiased information because they might feel that their friends and family keep telling them that they look beautiful and they want to know whether they really do you know stack up to this arbitrary set of rules as you suggest Mm. i mean they're doing it voluntarily they know what the rules are and they want to know that number they're doing it through insecurity uh, there'll be there'll be a very small number of people that are like, yeah, no, I genuinely want to know, so I can be proactive about it. Having somebody you don't know telling you that you're a five point two out of ten, no matter how, wh- what way you swing it, is not a nice feeling. And if you are insecure in any way, and you've got people out there telling you those kind of things, then it is no wonder that there's been a significant rise in people wanting to get a surgery. I, 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 I've never been so angry about something that we've witnessed. This, this has to stop. And I advise anyone that is even remotely interested in dipping into this community to stay well fucking away. Get away as fast as you can. Bin your computer. Get rid of your phone. Leave it alone. Do not touch it. You look fine. You are lovely. You are wonderful. And then brush your lips. <laughs> Yes, do the lip brushing, because no one will notice that, but it feels really good. Right, time to unveil your trend for next month's show. Ollie, are you ready? Born ready, Ollie. Let's have it. It's from Manfan Peter in Stanmore, who says, 
I've just realised from next month I'll have to pay £12.50 to drive to work. Um, this will be right. that Eulers charge thingy um, oh. in Greater London. Yeah. So um, I should probably get a new car, but I genuinely can't work out what's better for the environment. Should I get a second-hand car or a new electric vehicle? I'd like to challenge Ollie to tell me what to do. That's interesting, isn't it? Because you hear all those stories about electric cars and the whole thing with the batteries. Because they basically leak poison into the ground once you finish with them, right? Yeah, that and also like the energy that's required to kind of build them in the first place. And then yeah. I suppose with a you know with a secondhand car, you're you know you're reusing. Well, this if is it's... it. So I'm, I, I live. I mean, this isn't just a London issue, obviously, but where I am. Mm. So I live in Hertfordshire, but I drive a lot into the kind of area where Peter lives. And so I've got an old diesel car. Every time I drive to that area, it's going to cost me £12.50. But is it better just to keep my old car running than to scrap it for a new car? That doesn't seem very environmentally friendly, but I'm only occasionally driving into that area anyway. Yeah, because they're, they're not... Electric cars are not cheap. Right. You know, it's 30 grand plus, isn't it, for an electric car? Easy. Yeah. So, okay, that's interesting. Uh, what are your current wheels? Are you thinking of upgrading yourself? <laughs> Well, yeah, no, I am actually weirdly. I, I've because I've got a um, I've got a Vauxhall Astra Estate Sport. That's the one you got once we made you wrap your last car <laughs> in hideous <laughs> colours as a the, as a challenge on the show. No, it was actually weirdly it was actually a free car. My mum was getting rid of it and she gave me this car. Um, it's quite old, but it's just really thirsty on fuel and fuel's really expensive. So I need to look at getting a new car anyway. Well, I will be interested to know what you report back with. I'd also like to actually specifically like a brand. Like, what's the cutting edge of electric vehicles? Because they're changing all the time, aren't they? And is there mm. one we should be getting if we're going to get one? Yeah. I actually got an Uber in London not that long ago, and it was a Tesla. Oh, and yeah. I was not very impressed. I <laughs> was ambivalent about Tesla before Elon Musk bought Twitter, and now I would definitely not buy one. That's what he's done to his own brand value. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let's pause to thank our sponsors for the zeitgeist they've been paying for this madness you've been enjoying and that is dirty d-i-r-t-e-a they are a tea made of the purest and most potent functional mushroom extract powders ollie yeah while i've been trying looks maxing right i have also been trying dirty and this is something you should try Unlike looks maxing. I've been trying it too because they sent us some to sample. And mm. it is basic it's it's mushrooms, right? It's mushrooms in yeah. tea and coffee and energy drinks. But what I find really interesting about it, I mean which one have you been trying? I've been trying the matcha. Yeah, well I've no, not the matcha. I've been using the coffee. So like because it's okay. it's like an instant coffee and it's like a it gives you a really nice hit in the afternoon. I have it in the afternoon and it, it keeps you focused. Yes. I must say, the first time I had it, I think I possibly had too much because <laughs> you're, you're supposed to put in six grams and then pour in hot water and whisk it and drink it. Um, and I was like, how much is six grams? And I just put what I'd sort of roughly estimated was six grams, and I think I had about 12. It was clearly too much, and I felt a little <laughs> bit too on, <laughs> I'll be honest. But, but not jittery. This is the yes. thing. So you're like on and focused, and you feel calm with it. But you can feel your brain really powering through like you've had a strong coffee, but without the jitters. And now yes. I know how to sort of measure it out and I know exactly how much I should be having each day. Mm. It gives you like calm energy, heightened focus, and it tastes nice. When I heard it was mushrooms, I thought, well, I'm not, I don't, mushroom coffee just sounds absolutely disgusting. But you don't taste them, do you? No, it hasn't got a mushroom, mushroomy yeah. taste at all. It's just, it's just really nice coffee, the one that, that I tried. So, yeah, I like it. 
Well, if you want to try this out for a limited time, just for being a Man Fan, you can get an exclusive 10% off offer. Head to dirtyworld.com. That's D-I-R-T-E-A-W-O-R-L-D.com and use the code MAN to get 10% off your first order. That's D-I-R-T-E-A-W-O-R-L-D.com and use the code M-A-N-N to get 10% off your first order today. Thanks, Ollie. Cheers, Ollie. Bye. In just a moment, we'll be catching up with the dads. Stu and Tom will be here. We are now all parents of seven-year-olds. But first, it's time for our record of the month, and here's a band that I was listening to when I was about 16 years old, Cooler Shaker. If you've ever wondered what happened to Cooler Shaker, well, Crispin became a film director, but now they're back. They've got a new album called Waves, and that's also the name of this single, Out Now. Time to welcome back Tom Price and Stuart Goldsmith for our annual gathering, the ongoing series we call How to Be a Dad. Uh, Basically, back in 2015, the three of us, with weird synchronicity, each became parents. Tom for the second time, me and Stu for the first. Our partners all gave birth to boys. Those boys are now seven and a half. And every year since, we've met up to share our fatherhood journey with each other and with you. So if you want to catch up with the story so far, you can. Modernmanwith2ends.co.uk slash dads will show you everything we've discussed over the years. But that's not necessary. The basics are we've each got two kids now and still feel a little adrift when it comes to knowing what we're doing. This year, to kick off the discussion, I asked Tom a question of language. Now our boys are nearly eight. Is it okay if they hear us swearing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They pretty much hear everything now. Really? Yeah. Oh, not the, the C-bomb. Not no, the no, no, obviously not okay. the C-bomb. They hear the S-bomb a lot. Also, they started playing golf with me, so they hear everything. Right, okay. I, just, I can't help it. <laughs> At them, though? You wouldn't say, you little shit. No, 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 no. Because no. I, I do sometimes, when I'm really young, I'm like, stop pissing about. Oh, that came well, out. Pissing. It's highly effective. A well-deployed swear word, and that is a that is a C-list swear, uh, swear yeah, word. Yeah. Bullshit, pissing. that's another good one, because it's shit, but it's... Couch. You're, you're, this is pissing this me off. This is bullshit. Yeah, That's yeah, quite yeah, a good yeah. one. It's <laughs> that is good. <laughs> it, it stops them because yeah. I've tried everything. I've done shouting. I, for a while, I was really enjoying begging. That's a really oh, please tactically please. Daddy is so tired. Yes, yeah, well, that's. Do the you same. remember when Do you got up this work? morning? I was already at work doing the radio. I'm exhausted. You've made yes. me exhausted and miserable. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that did that did work a little bit. It worked for a while, but it runs out. Yeah, but swearing to go. This is bullshit. This is pissing me off. It works. That'll run out. You know, yeah. everything, you know, has it has its day. It's uh, it's cured meat, isn't it? A new swear word. You're going to get, it's salty. You're going to get a lot of time, but eventually it's going to go. It's we did go so well at just not swearing around the kids for ages. And then we, we went to Glastonbury a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> we sat, I excitedly sat them down to watch Paul Curry. I don't know if you're familiar with Paul Curry. He runs yeah. around handing out party poppers to everyone, including running over to the toilets and passing them to people who are sat having poos on the toilets Excellent. and then getting them to fire the party poppers out. It's wonderful. But he also did 
in an extended bit about having your shit together got everyone in the audience to hold up each hand and say this is my shit and this is my shit and I have my shit together and he was my son was looking at me the whole time like this is amazing and I was like we really have broken the seal with an absolute avalanche of this but it's a controlled explosion I think (laughs) that's a good point it hasn't ended up in in uh, household usage that's a good it was a controlled explosion that's all you have to do you have to let, let them see it in a way that is controlled you are there you're being naughty together yeah. like it's mischief and you also get to say how cool are you that we get to mm. like that's yeah, nice yeah, I think yeah, it depends on the child would. I would have been mortified so, <laughs> my mum took me to Madonna's Blonde Ambition Tour at Wembley Stadium when I was eight is that Cones? Uh, it, it is the Conical Bra Tour oh, yes it wow. is yes um, and she did Hanky Panky <laughs> wow and just before she sang Hanky Panky she said I mean this is like peak Madonna right she said to the whole of Wembley Stadium we're all here because our mum and dad fucked <laughs> So I want everyone in the audience to say, on the count of three, oh fuck yeah! Which I didn't wow. know was a phrase in currency. I was just like, no. Madonna's getting everyone to cheer the act of reproduction, which yeah. I haven't fully discussed with my mother, and mm. I'm next to her. And I did it. I said, fuck yeah. But inside, I was thinking, this is an awful moment. And do you have problems with intimacy now? <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had this thing with my wife this year where she pointed out to me that what I do a lot is she's trying to discipline the kids and then I'll come in and basically argue for them I'll advocate for them yeah. I'll be like yeah no but he was that, that's that is hard it's and honestly it's because she is overreacting very often maybe and that's yep. because she's been looking after them for an hour and they're driving nuts right and I've come in and I've been like it's only a couple box does it really matter but because yeah. I'm saying that to her Sure. They That's, hear it. Yeah, totally. Can't and she's do like, that. You, can't you can't do that. Undermine, can't it's undermine so me. hard to do. But if, it's so but hard to come in and then act like I really no. care. You're playing with a cardboard box. That's absolutely you, outrageous. You don't need to support them that hard. You just mm. need to not directly conflict with what your partner has said. And yeah. I find it very, very difficult. So difficult. It is difficult, yeah. particularly if you're seeing them going, oh, wow, I see this situation with fresh eyes because yeah, yeah. you're yeah. strung out and he's been doing it loads. Yeah. I'm better equipped to deal with this in a neutral way, yeah. but I am not going to say so, nor am I going to stick up for him I'm just going to have the other morning. I walked into school yesterday morning and he said, Mummy does, uh, she really hurries us all the time, doesn't she? And I said, <laughs> I tried not to be too ungallant. I was like, well, yes. <laughs> she, she does hurry both of us a lot, but let's think about why she's doing that. She's right, got our best good. interests yes, at heart. Yes. She really wants us to be on time. And you know, when I'm in charge, <laughs> often what happens, we're late for swimming, aren't we? We're late for this and we're yeah. late for that. And it's loads of pressure. With mummy, she likes to put the pressure and front load it. So she, we do all the upset and the stress, but we do get there on time. The thing that I've realised will not wind my wife up so that she then shouts at me, is, but, but nonetheless mitigates it a bit and represents that I think that maybe she's being a bit unfair, is I will say to the kid, why are you doing that? Why, why have you started doing this? Because it's obviously causing a problem. And then I'm like, at least I'm I'm saying I'm I'm open. I'm open to the idea that you might be doing something innocent, but we're in a bad situation here. Yeah. <laughs> yes, well, that's, that's good. You're walking into a firing range with a blue helmet on at this point, and you need to you need to. It's all about the language, and it's all about the vibes you give off. But the worst thing you can possibly do is tell your other half to calm down. I have learned that on several occasions recently, <laughs> where she has been going nuts, and I've said, just we'll, we'll calm down. That is instant instant i won't see her for like three or four hours she hates that and rightly so because when you are in the thick of it and they are being annoying yeah. and someone says it's the it's worst so but you you sort of have to point it at the kids and go why have you why has this happened i'm lying why what's going on and that always puts it yeah put it on their plate why have you done this 
I think last time we spoke about your ADHD diagnosis. Oh, yeah. And since then, I too, like every other comedian, has had an ADHD diagnosis. Oh, yeah. And I had an enjoyable, fun month of rippling where I would go, oh, God, I suppose that's why I've always done that. But basically, the relationship to my son, where I see him being like me, and I go, well, you've probably got it too, that is a much harder leap than, well, I guess I've got it, and so I'll, I'll look into some strategies for it. I think labelling other people's children is easy, isn't it? Yeah, I think that uh, we were always struggling for the label for our elders. And it's very clear that child A has it, child B does not have it. It's very, very clear. And as a result, the need to label it, because you see that difference, and you can no longer say, yeah, he's being a kid, who's just like you. You know, you, you can't really get away with that as they get older because of it starts to interfere with schooling, it's affecting his sleep, it's the self-awareness thing. It's becoming uh, not a hindrance, but I see it as such an opportunity and a positive for him to know that he's got it and see that superpower, which I spoke about last time, and to not be worried about it and not have a go at yourself. But like you say, the, the reticence to define myself because of what I see in him, it's like there's a leak in the loft and you found water on the ground floor it must have gone through the middle floor you must have come through (laughs) there's going to be you're going to have something here as well right you can't ignore it so so you have to define what it is in yourself you have to and it's so imperative because of him and that's what otherwise if it wasn't for him i would have gone oh yeah i think i might have it and well you know no no worries but i was so keen to define it for him and and give him all those safety nets that modern thinking has given people with ADHD. It's amazing. It's brilliant. When I say it's not nice to label your own children, I, I sort of feel like I have opinions about my boys and what they're like. Yeah. But I wouldn't. I, I want to be proven wrong. I don't want to, to say, well, at the age of seven, I knew exactly what he was going to turn into and I knew that he'd never be good at that and <laughs> I knew that he'd be brilliant at this. Sure. I feel reticent to do that because what you want is to say the world's your oyster, go for it. You know, every opportunity yeah. is there for you. Oh, I, do, I, I don't see it as limiting. That's the thing. That that's I just see it as a good way of understanding what you're going to be better and, and less good at. Um, you know, it's not severe ADHD. There's so many serious things that can be contended with. This is not serious. It's just incredibly enabling and positive to be able to say, listen, for yeah. example, saying your name six times and for us it's like 10, 15 times. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm really sorry I got angry with you. That's not your fault, you know that, don't you? That's that's the thing. And he's like, yeah, no, it's it, it's that being able to communicate like that and stay sure. positive is, yes. is massive. That's, we're just at the just at the cusp of saying uh, the way I talk to him about it is, well, I've got a really busy brain, and I think you have as well. And so sometimes some, you know, like trying to apply a bit of, if not not therapy speak, but you know, the experience of being on the other end of therapy for years, you know, to try and think in terms of, oh, look, the dynamic between us. It can often be like this you know you we can get in a bit of a loop where you do this and yeah. then you ignore me because and it's, you're not ignoring me you literally don't know you're being spoken to and then i get impatient because i i've said something six times and then you're like danny why are you hurrying me and i'm exasperated and they all of that stuff exactly <laughs> and, and i have always interrupted people terribly and when i saw that as a very early kind of the list of 10 15 things 15 of which i had it was unbelievable yeah yeah wilf and i are the same like literally he says something and i jump on him and he interrupts me and I interrupt him. And to be able to look at yourself and, and and there is actually a course. Someone was telling me the other day there's a course for parents with ADHD, not in terms of your kid having it, in terms of what that means for you and your lack of patience. My lack of patience is chronic because of ADHD. When I am bored, I'm off the 
and, and it makes me overstimulate them and go, come on, come on, come on. And the whole fun daddy, wow, you're such a great dad, so bouncy. Thanks very much, brilliant. But part of me is always thinking, it's because I'm ADHD and I'm trying to reinvent and get interesting and keep myself engaged. So it's a selfish thing almost. Okay, so most irritating thing that your child does then? Uh, Edmund, he's, he's ungrateful too often. He is rude. Okay. What's this? There's no ketchup. <laughs> oh, There's wow. a lot of that at the moment. And just like, well, I'm going upstairs for a shower. You know I'm scared upstairs by myself. You need to come with me. Right. Why yeah, are you coming? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, because Entitlement. Darling, entitlement. The entitlement, yes. We've talked about this. You go upstairs, take feed, take our dog with us. She'll watch you while you have a shower. She does that. He has like a little guard dog while he has a shower. Sweet. Because it's second kid for us. It's when they arrive, everything that happens, they're part of a system. <laughs> Whereas with the first kid, you get a sense, hence why first kids are always more damaged, that they know deep down that you're doing this for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so they're sort of on the ride. With- second kid, they're in the they're in the carriage behind. They're like, you've got this. Mm. And that can make them, uh, yeah, as you say, very entitled. It's the eight o'clock, can I have an extension, the beginning of the negotiations yes. where I say, I know what's going to happen here. By asking, we're going to enter into some sort of negotiations, which I can't win. Negotiations, and you're going to end up going to bed in a huff and screaming at me that you hate me. And that happens all the time. Yes, because we're completely reasonable. We're having a cuddle and a read and a laugh. And when he can't get what he wants, we just what the. It's almost like the annoying thing he does is it's not that he does it. It's the the annoyingness is that we are in a loop of doing the same thing every time, and it infuriates me. I can't work out how to break out of it. Is I can see where this is going and 10 minutes from now you're going to be being this genuinely charming innocent version of being a teenager that he's trying on yeah well you why do you yeah you even think you want me to be alive like you even think I love you or something like I hate you know I mean? my life really really teenager but like in a way where that, are they getting that from it's so hard way. not well, to laugh at because it doesn't <laughs> yeah, make sense you know, know. this is the are... worst day of my life one second <laughs> really play Grand McDonald's this morning yeah. and then you've just watched the film this afternoon yeah. it's, well listen I would say and I you know if it's okay this yeah, is the yeah, boy with, with ADHD right or you suspect may have certain traits similar to yours. The ADHD thing at bedtime is very, very difficult. And again, you Google it and there's a whole load of stuff about people saying, yeah, ADHD kids at bedtime, depending on how severe it is, is really hard because they're really tired. The withdrawal of happy chemicals is felt so much harder for them. Sugar is a disaster. So if they have a very sugary pudding or something uh, and they're tired at 7, 30, 8 o'clock when they're getting towards bedtime, you are are concocting the same storm every night. And they know the problem that my eldest has. He knows that all the stimulation is over. And without the stimulation, hundred percent, what's he, going he, on? He is then not angry at you. He's not upset. There's one word for it. It's panic. It's panic. That is genuinely helpful. Thank you. I'm <laughs> sure that's exactly what's going on. He's panicking that the stimulation is over. That's what it is. And something that's, oh, that's something that's amazing and has helped me loads. Again, but this is a perfect example of where the ADHD thing is so helpful. Forget if he's got it or not. I don't know. I'm not going to sit there and say this is a faddy diagnosis. These things have helped. This is amazing. And this is from a friend of mine whose kid has ADHD and quite severe autism. Their shoulders, your shoulders, you, you grab the shoulders and you push in. What? Why? Because that's a thing. It sends a signal. It reminds them of being, of being safe and protected and sort of squeezed as babies. Mm. Like swaddled. Swaddled. And if you just grab the shoulders and squeeze, and I've done it with my eldest, and it's not, I don't present it to him as an affectionate thing because he's got a bit old for that now, you know, sadly. I just thought I just come up behind him and I might just do that and come over his shoulder when he's having it and it fuck me it works so okay so when he's having what he's crying he, he's uh, starting to hyperventilate a bit um, he's furious he's angry so anger but the thing is it's not anger it's panic it, yeah, yeah. but panic then brings all the other emotions on board yeah. he resents you for doing this it's not fair my brother's doing this da, 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 da. like all these things are happening it's completely not his fault and I'm familiar, familiar with all these things as well 
it is a uh, terror that the, the the show is over. The That's exactly oh, that hits me so hard. That is exactly yeah. I feel that. Yeah, and that and that is exactly what he's getting. He's getting really. He's like, no, I want to stay up and read. I want to like I'm into this thing right now, and you're going to take away the stimulation. And he's panicking. But he will still come out in the hallway and be like, "Daddy, Daddy." That way, yes. What? I can't sleep because insert fictional reason. Right? Yes. Yeah. And, yeah. and, yeah. and then you call them on it, and they're like, yeah, "I am making it up." <laughs> in a charming way. I know you are. And this is silly, and it only works in the summer. But a thing that I've genuine because he likes cars. A thing I've genuinely done is open the blind, and sat and watched the road with him. But that's watching great. cars go past because it, it's obviously relaxing it's counting yeah. sheep right yeah. and he will actually if you just turn that into a slight game is the next one going to be red is the next one going to be black wait till you see a tractor uh, that he'll do that for an hour and fall asleep but the big, a big part of that has been with you as well which still stands I've talked about this before on this podcast like they just want you ultimately they just want time with you so if you if you intertwine the two things that's bingo <laughs> Do your boys still believe in Santa? Uh, we've got an answer prepared. And uh, I think he's cottoning on. I think this mm-hmm. year is going to be the last year. But he, if he says, I don't think Santa is real, I'm going to say this. Come with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you the secret. And then you're going to know the secret as well. Mm, yeah. Santa is real, yeah. but it's not one guy. It's all, it's all of us. So you're going to perpetuate the lie. How long <laughs> no, is that no, going to no, That's not the lie. It's, it's all the of us. in all of us. This okay. is the blood like, of Christ. Like God. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like no, religion, like God. Robin Hood, like archetypes. You know, what okay. we're saying is the, there is this thing called Santa. Everyone pretends to little kids, but it's all everyone. Isn't that brilliant? Everyone is trying to make the little kids okay, feel so good. Okay, so it's the Dickens Christmas you, message, basically. Uh, yeah, and it's now you, you're in okay. on it. Okay. You're an insider, so you get to know. And part of the rules of being an insider is you never tell a little kid that Santa. Okay, so I hinted at it. So he came to me and he said, He's been he's been playing with the concept for like six months, dipping in and out. What what happened is we took him to Willow's Activity Farm at Christmas Love time, it. right? Been there, yeah, and they do Christmas really really well, right? Where they have multiple Santas, yeah, yeah. Um, but the elves that are running it make sure that as each child goes in to see Santa, you don't see another door opening with a Santa <laughs> in there, right? That, that is, that is a, a dangerous game. game. Isn't it? Well, well done, That's those like elves. The worst air traffic control ever. <laughs> And it's done really nicely because you, you before you oh, put it all on an a app. second Santa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could do a full Thomas Crown affair, just get loads of Santas to arrive. <laughs> so it's all done really nicely because you say before when you book the ticket, you say what their name is, what their toy is that they want, what their favourite thing is. So Santa comes and says, "Oh, Harvey, I, I know you love this and that," but he was suspicious. But he was particularly suspicious because of the length of the corridor, engineering mind, you oh, see. Wow. He, was, he said to me after, there's a lot of doors there, Daddy. What are all those doors for? And I was like, well, I don't know, look, toys. Right, <laughs> yeah. So for six months, he's been playing with that. Yeah. And then he came to me two weeks ago and he goes, Daddy, do you believe in Santa? I thought, oh, this is an easy one. Yes, I do. Um, <laughs> Cheers. Good night. <laughs> See you tomorrow. <laughs> he goes, well, I don't believe in Santa. And I don't believe in Santa because there are all those doors at Willows. And I think there's more than one oh, Santa. Oh, wow, he's smart. Yeah. And I was like, he's been thinking about it for six months, yeah. and he's he has well, sussed it out. I don't want to tell him he's wrong. If he's cracking it, let him crack but, it. So well, th- but I don't want to ruin Christmas either. But I particularly don't for the younger one. So what I said was, he doesn't ruin Christmas. What I said was, 
don't talk about this in front of Toby. Yes. That's what I said. Yeah, that's very helpful. You, it's, that's you could all easily, I said. You could do a sort of, you could walk the kind of middle path with my thing and you could say, well, yes, that, that person wasn't the real Santa, but Santa has loads of people who help him by being Santa. Mm. I you, love that. I that mean, works for me. That's what, I think this that's, that idea. what buys you the extra year, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then in a year's time, it'd be like, Technically, it should be called Santaism. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> then we have to declare ourselves on the census. <laughs> and I, I, honestly, I think that my eldest, technically it's a bit of a taboo right he keeps asking us and we keep saying no because your brother's just there we don't talk about it so he knows he's worked it out because all his mates have told him uh the younger one i think he knows as well but at the moment all we ever do is say what do you think and then they sort of have a pause and they go yeah i think so okay fine um all I can tell you is when it gets close to the big day and it's all about the excitement uh, of getting the stuff and yes, the presents, yeah, yeah. they just get carried away we with all it. Want and, to we get, and we get through another one. Yes. But I feel like we've probably only got one pure one left. I mean, definitely the eldest is gone, so I reckon we've got one left tops. And maybe not even that. Do you feel guilty about it slightly, though? Because I know that it's kind of magical when you see their faces, but I mean, also you are perpetuating do, a lie. Do it I feel is, guilty about the fact that every year one of our traditions is I go outside with both of them, I can't do this now, and I hold them both, and then Beth goes up to the loft with the jingle thing <laughs> and jingles it, and we pretend that's the sound of Santa, and we do it every single year. Right. Yeah. Do yeah. I feel guilty about that? Do you, yes. uh, listen, we all lie to our children. Yeah. <laughs> when I say to them, you know, one day when you grow up, what I should say is you'll be fighting for squirrel meat and there'll be no water. But it's not consistent, that. is it? I mean, there's a serious point, which is, if they ask me about God, I will say honestly, well, I don't believe in God, but yeah. you have to respect other people. Lots of people have different beliefs. Yeah. I don't think he's real. But when it comes to Santa, I say, yep. Yeah. yeah what, Santa. capitalist God? Yeah, he <laughs> yeah, love that guy. I think the answer is, does it matter? Does like, it, do, mm. you know, do you believe in Santa? Does it matter? Is Santa real? Does it matter? Mm. Oh, that's your response. Does it yeah. matter? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Does it? Would it matter to you if it was real? Is that Robin Hood, Jesus kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. You go, you know, what Santa means to people, that's definitely real. After that, who can say? Still to come. Role models, positive masculinity, and the foolproof way to get your kids out of that soft play. That's when How to Be a Dad returns. After this. This is a paid advertisement from BetterHelp. As you've heard, being a dad isn't always plain sailing. But one of the things I'm sometimes struck by in the feedback you man fans send us is how lucky, actually, me and Tom and Stu often seem to have it. I mean, for the most part, we actually enjoy being parents. That's not everyone's experience. And not everyone's circumstances are the same. Mental health, money worries split families. Just feeling on top of things can be a challenge, particularly for middle-aged parents like us, where perhaps you've got your own ageing parents and or grandparents to contend with too. Whatever you're going through, therapy can be a great way to learn some positive coping skills and set boundaries. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And with over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash man. That's betterhelp.com slash M-A-N-N. 
So we asked you for some emails, um, and Lucy has sent in the following email. She says, I've been listening to the How to Be a Dad section since the beginning, and I now have an eight-year-old son myself. Um, I co-opted a game that Tom mentioned early on, where parents hang round the kettle while the children try and get from place to place without being seen. We still play this all the time and call it Mummy's Gummies for a reason I forget. Delightful! <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten that game. Great, fantastic. Uh, my question is around the alarming rise in sexual harassment and misogyny in schools. That's and quite a gear shift from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it comes it comes back into more comfortable territory, uh, and how we can address the cause of this with our young boys. Often the mention of Andrew Tate or incels in secondary age boys is blamed on toxic masculinity. But what do dads understand this nebulous term to mean? And how can dads and mums be offering alternative models and behaviours? I would say that we're very big on consent and we've always been really big on consent. We haven't, I haven't explained what consent means or that it will become more and more important in life. But we are always affirming the message. No, no, no. If someone says no, you don't say, you know, with my daughter, if I tickle her and she goes, Daddy, I don't like it. I go, I'm sorry, you're right. You, you were laughing, but you told me you didn't like it. And now I've stopped. Wow, I can't imagine yeah. doing that. No, I don't. I say to my son, I'm going to tickle you till you're <laughs> Only when but you're I, covered in your own poo will I start. <laughs> sure, but yeah. No, I'm, being, I mean? I'm being facetious. Yeah, no, Of course, right, yeah. of course. So, so with, with, with both of them, we're like, no, no, no. Okay, what happened that was wrong here was she said, don't do that. And you did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you didn't, you weren't allowed to do that because she didn't want to play that game. She wouldn't do it anymore. So we hit that a lot. And... Like we don't do any unguarded, any unguarded YouTube. They, they don't ever look at YouTube on their own ever. They've watched so much YouTube. They are basically American now. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they've, they've been to the uh, International School of oh, YouTube. That's, that's so true, isn't it? The yes, younger one so... loves Blippi so much that when a bin lorry goes past, he goes garbage truck. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. How many dollars does that cost? Yeah. I don't watch day, much YouTube, and I'm really glad about it. <laughs> oh, mate, one of them said the other day, if there's a fire, we dial 911, right? And I'm like, you do Whoa! not. <laughs> do not wow um going forward like you they're not having social media for ages no and we're going to be absolute dicks about it and yeah not no, let them I, I think i'm going to be a dick about that ages yeah i think i'm still coming around to the idea that probably by the age of nine or ten he'll have some sort of device with a screen that's his because he's got a kiddie craft camera or whatever it's sure, called and he's got sure. his alexa speaker and his friends play and I'm Minecraft. I'm going to be on some Reddit forums for parents going, how do I lock those down? How do I make sure exactly. you've got access to this, that, and nothing else? You need to be a little bit savvy enough yourself to know, oh, well, look on Reddit. That's like level one of, you know, other people will have had this problem and talked about it on the internet, and I will access that. So again, this applies more to my eldest, who's 11. He's just got a phone. But it's really useful because he has a bit more independence now. He goes off to play football with his mates. So I can see where he is. I can text him. But he's got WhatsApp. And, you know, and this does relate to the Andrew Tate stuff. Uh, we've talked about that. They all know who he is. This is in year six. Do they? Oh, was in year six. Yeah, but what do they know about him? They know that Andrew Tate's this bad guy who's, you know, and one of them at school. Yeah, but I mean, you know, do they know who President Zelensky is? Uh, no. So that's what I mean. Like, Andrew yeah. Tate is a figure because that goes a, beyond. Because it's a naughty thing. What do you mean? You brought it up. What's clear is, like, I think you, like, did you say, no. hey, there's this guy you've got to watch out for? No, no, no. When there, when it was happening, we were talking about it, and, and Wilf walked in and went, oh, yeah, Andrew Tate, they're talking, the boys are talking about him at school. Right. And we just went, you do realise he's a really, really bad man. <laughs> You're <laughs> you doing have, the face now. You have, I feel well, bad for stop, having mentioned him. Stop, come here, like, you just so you know, and, and sort of talk. We talked about it, like you say, we talked yeah. about uh, everything that's wrong with it. And, and you just have to explain it in really cold, rational terms. And they do listen, you know, when you properly switch on the, like, this is serious now, this is actually important. I'm not stuffing around. This isn't about a bedtime. This is like your values and what we do. A big impact that, that, 
we've discovered is talking about family and like we don't do that in our family that's not a thing we do in our family and almost oh, okay. creating and i don't know if this it's sort of like a clan you know like if if granny used to say to me this and if granny knew you were doing that or if grandpa knew you did it gives it not to put too much pressure on it but it just gives them a sense of this is who we are and we won't do that or think like that dare i venture that that is maybe taking the place of religion oh yeah happily the ab- absence of that of anyone's yes. anyone in a robe telling you what morals are yes that's kind of what you're feeling isn't it when you're saying well our family don't do 100 percent. i it just i remember it worked really well for me when i was a kid with, with various things i thought it was very effective and it's it's very effective with uh the boys because they look up to their cousins who are sort of 18 to 25 yeah. and i'd be like oh finn or seth knew that you know this is not what we do and it's very effective um that's very good invoking older role model but within touching distance not yeah, you know sure. 40 <laughs> like sure, us. sure sure but, and but then the other thing that was really interesting the other day i'd wonder what you think about this um so he's on whatsapp and i said to him i will check your whatsapps every night mm-hmm. i will look through it and i do and i hadn't for a couple of days and i found them talking about uh, something it was just three of them on this group saying you're gay no you're gay no you're gay and i was like Oh, I don't really. <laughs> Am I going to go charging in, all guns blazing tomorrow, and say, "Look, Uncle Mark and Ian, or, or, or Frog, and say, oh, all our friends we know who go." Yeah, do I give? Do I unload that on him, or do I let it go? I don't know. Just have a co- begin a conversation about it. Yeah. I looked at your WhatsApp, so I noticed this. How do you feel about that? Yeah, do you know, and kind of explore that and go. Do you understand? Like, what if? someone else were to see your whatsapps and be gay we've had a conversation about the excellent moment in frozen 2 where christoph runs in on the back of like rides sven in as uh, anna is falling down a thing and rescues her and says to her what do you need and it's the most <laughs> non-toxic masculinity like it's 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 notable in that it is in all kind of kids media stuff that i'm familiar with mm. It's brilliant. It's really good positive masculinity. He runs in. He doesn't take over the narrative. He doesn't decide what she's going to do next, mm. like all male heroes ever. He says, what do you need? And we had a really good conversation about that. Oh, well, that's a great answer to that's that a good, Yeah, so <laughs> I think so. Like One of the things we've done that's come up recently is peer pressure. Yeah. And I've just, like, it hasn't even really come up. It's just something that could be construed as peer pressure has come up. And I've said, oh, just before this becomes a thing, there's this thing called peer pressure. Do you know what that is? Your peers, that means your people that you're with. And um, what are the rules of peer pressure? My rules are, it's, oh, it's dares. We came into it from dares. He was like, mm. oh, someone dared me to do this. I said, yes. okay, these are my rules for dares. You absolutely never, ever have to do them. There can be friendly dares and there can be dares that are bullying. And some of the bullying dares can be disguised as friendly dares. You might think they're friendly, but if it doesn't feel right, it's not right. We had that little chat a couple of weeks ago and then recently dares came up in conversation again. I said, and what are the rules of dares? And he said, you don't have to do it and it can be people can do it in a mean mm. way so i just felt like you just give them little like you're saying if, if it doesn't you get feel lost, right that's a good one because you get true, lost isn't out it? and that's... about you, who do you look for uh, someone in high vis someone who's in a uniform a mum who's got some kids with them and it's just checking in every so often oh when it occurs to me what's our address but what's the... my phone number <clears throat> yeah what oh do you gosh. do if you get lost yeah what's yeah, what are yeah. the rules of peer pressure but the what i think what lucy's getting at in this email though partly with bringing up boys is that actually some of the things that you celebrate in masculinity are the seeds of things that could go on to be so-called toxic masculinity, right? Because it is a nebulous phrase, and it often can just mean someone who's a lad, right? But someone who's a lad is someone who probably, when they're eight, was the kind of person who was getting into football and learning all the jokes to say as everyone else, and you know, was yeah. on top of all the apps and Minecraft and all the things sure. we're talking about. Well, like, yeah. I think the toxicity is that it's the term like cancel culture. It's going to all woke. It's going to mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But I think that thing of like, what does it feel like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's think being that's considerate, really, isn't it? That's a good way into it. Yeah. Mm. 
I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about the second one because my second one is a girl. Yeah. Oh. And it's a whole different ball game. Mm. And, <laughs> <As it were. laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure that she doesn't miss out because of some of those things you talked about, the intensity of the first one when you're learning it. I don't want her to think on some... Like, I, I've barely talked about her on this podcast. Just be, and that like that's not a problem in and of itself. It's just... You know, he was the trailblazer having all the experiences. I had all the first time experiences with him. And as a result, I worry about her being sort of left in the slipstream. My wife tells me off for this, which is when we're driving in the car or something and I'm pointing something out or asking what they want to do, I only address it to the older one. <laughs> I do, do, that. do that. I yeah. do. I, get, I try not to now. I keep I, no, I'm, I'm, on now it I'm aware because of it. you're speaking to a, so a I don't care what a three year old thinks. Like, yeah. exactly. What do you fancy for lunch, Harvey? That like, didn't occur to me. I to can't ask tell you how many times people say, Where does your son go to school? I'm like, Oh, it's uh, X school just next to the tube station. That's where my son goes. No, I've got another one. I've got two kids. <laughs> yeah. Two kids who yeah, go yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. I do it all the time. Yeah. But it does make them better people. I think it does, yes. <laughs> it does. It sets them we up for We definitely life. made my son precious by, yeah. over, by paying too much attention. It's to like him. all the things people say about <laughs> boarding you, school, isn't it? But in your own house. You're doing yeah. that for your second Self- child, <laughs> aren't you? Self-sufficiency, <laughs> learning some hard work. Self-regulating, yeah, self-soothing. Yeah, yeah. You know? And only to, not to a dramatic extent, but a bit. Just on the, to continue the subject of the younger, because she's a girl, one of the first, I think, more girl-specific things has just happened, which is cliques. Mm. She's only four. She's five in October. She's starting school this year. Super excited. She, lots of her friends at her preschool group moved up to start school last year, and she didn't. There was like a little gang of three girls that she was on the outside of, and then one of them went somewhere else for a bit, and she started getting on with the, the other two girls and made some good friendships. And now the remote one has returned and she's on the outside of that group again. And it's the very beginning of that female group dynamic thing, which I am not equipped to help her with. No. I don't have any experience. Like, well, de- what I do, if I feel frozen out by someone, I just never speak to them again and then yeah. I'm alone. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's yeah. not I mean, it's, it's horrible because we slip into gender stereotypes. I can only say what I have observed with my two boys and the eldest. We went camping the other day. Uh, in fact, this counts for, again, classic example. This happened to both of them, but I've eliminated the second <laughs> one here. <laughs> All of their, uh, the class group were there. They were like, I don't know, 30 parents camping, loads and loads of kids. And the girls were together. The whole time the boys were together, they really didn't mix much at all. The girls had a massive falling out. Huge drama. Someone had offended someone else. One of them had a, one of them had a physical fight. There were two nights there. They were tired, whatever. Throughout this, they were huffing around. The boys just were just kicking balls into the woods and seeing if they could lose a football. That's all they were doing. And it is so much. And I hear parents of girls say this all the time. The complexity of it and all the social standing you know, and one thing they're saying a lot for these girls who are about to leave primary school, because my eldest is about to leave primary school, is they need to go. They're sick of each other. And I don't see wow. that with the boys wow. at all. No. Wow. But I suppose that the, the hurt that that causes is the flip side of the positive thing, which oh. is what girls are doing is they're forming more meaningful relationships with each other. Uh-huh. <laughs> and yeah. what boys are doing is just kicking balls at each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So it's, it's the equivalent of falling over and hurting yourself, isn't it? Yeah. Is that? Totally. Yes. Totally. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And, that you know, and as a result, they're... You know, they're learning that if you want to um, strengthen friendships as an adult, 
you need to care about people and send each other birthday cards and do the mm. social admin in a way where men are quite happy to go, oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, I liked him. No, I've not seen him in years, never call him. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? In that mm. way that we all sort of then isolate ourselves and, you know, I've, I've, I struggle with that. I, you know, I feel like I've got, my wife laughs at me because I've got hundreds of people in my phone and I never ring anyone. Do you know what I mean? I'm just sort of weirdly on my own little Batman That's why quest I alone. married my wife because she's got friends. Yeah. <laughs> you provide friends. That's what you're here well, for. Well, this is it. But you're, 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 you're quite right, I'm sure. Those... The, those experiences are being learned and experimented with and learnt from now with my daughter. Like it's the very beginning of that, the complexities of human relationships. And I feel inequipped to help her. How have your children surprised you? This year. He's definitely um, surprised me by being emotionally more sensitive than my other one. We were doing a school trip yesterday, and I knew he didn't want me to come on the school trip, even though he sort of said he did. I could see he was in two minds about it. And as we left the house yesterday morning, I knew it's so weird. I had this foresight. I knew he was going to do it. We were one step out of the house, and he took a big. <sighs> Daddy, don't be weird today, will you? <laughs> oh. Because we are, I mean, you know, I am loud, shouty, silly, funny daddy. And he said, daddy, because you've got ADHD and you're mad and you're running around all the time. He said that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your younger one said because you've got ADHD. Yes. Wow. He is really sophisticated in that way. He sees social situations in a way that my eldest absolutely doesn't. Absolutely doesn't. Um, And I loved it. It was so funny. Because I think it just showed that sort of self-awareness and that need to be, like... I just I just don't want to be you putting my head above the parapet. I don't want you to flag it up kind of thing. And then it was really sweet because then when we got on the bus, the kids went on before us and the teacher said, if your parents are here and you want your parents to sit with you, leave a space next to you. And I was thinking, well, he's not going to do that after what he said. And I'm like, absolutely no chance. I'm sitting up front with the driver, right? And I got on the bus and he's got, there's a space next to him because he doesn't want me to come sit with him. So it was, it was that sort of, yeah. Can I read you the, this is the birthday card I got yesterday from my son. Oh, yes, go on. Dum-de-dum-de-dum-de-dum. Oh, hello there. And then he's written Badger, crossed it out. Owl, crossed it out. Pacific Ocean, crossed it out. Stuart Goldsmith. <laughs> Start reading, you moaning pencil case. And while you're at it, happy birthday from name of child. P.S. Sorry about all that garbage. Wow. <laughs> garbage, though. YouTube. Yeah, I do. I noticed that. <laughs> we don't Sad. watch Blippi and we don't, we don't spend much time with YouTube. Harvey's done this thing recently, which really surprised me, which is he has given up his softy, right? Now, softy oh. was... Okay. Yeah. Softy was a comforter, right? We called it Softy. Yeah. It was actually a thing he's had since he was a baby that we H&M do those things. It looks like a rabbit and you stick it in your mouth and you suck on it at night, right? Mm. And he he liked it so much and was destroying it, obviously, even at the age of six months, that we secretly bought like 10 of them because they were like three pounds each and circulate them around because all yeah, they stink of rotten yeah, saliva. Yeah, yeah. Circulate right, them yeah. and get them all with the smell on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and so for like two or three years, it was quite cute at night. He never had a dummy. So it was like, have you got your softy? And then mm. when he was old enough to speak, it was kind of still cute that he would go up and get his own softy. He understood that there was a drawer full of them. And then he got to five and I was like, Harvey, six-year-olds don't have softies. So after your sixth birthday, we prepped him for a year. After your sixth birthday, you can have your teddy in bed, but I don't think you should be sucking on that thing anymore. Sure. And his sixth birthday came and went. He's now seven. He's still doing the softie every night. He can't sleep if he doesn't have the softie every night. And then what happened is he went to the dentist. And the dentist didn't even say it to him. He said it to my wife. The dentist said, well, he's got a bit of an overbite coming there. Does he suck on a toy at night? Mm. And my wife said, oh, yeah, he's got this thing called softie. And the dentist was like, oh, yeah, you've got to try and give that up. And that night, Harvey came home to me and said, daddy, the dentist said I can't have softie anymore, so I'm going to have to give it up. 
And wow. I was like, holy shit. I mean, I could not, I mean, I'd spent two years negotiating for him to stop yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one man in a lab coat. You needed coat, a dude it. in a white yeah, coat, yeah. 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 But that comes back to the greatest parenting lesson I ever learned at a soft play. Me and this other dad I'd never seen before were trying to get our kids out when they were the last ones in. Oh, you did Just each other's. Kids. Yeah. And I said, what's your kid's name? Uh, Stewie, let's go. And he came straight away. I said, that one's Wilf. Wilf. And he got straight away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as I saw that, I was like, there's only yeah. so much listening to me these guys are going to yes, do. Yes. That's very good. Tom Price and Stuart Goldsmith. And if you enjoyed that, then do check out their excellent podcasts. Uh, Tom's is called My Mate Bought a Toaster, in which he interviews famous people about their Amazon purchase histories. Uh, I've been a guest on that one, if you look back far enough through the feed. Uh, And Stu's is The Comedian's Comedian, in which he dissects the technique of stand-up comedy with his fellow stand-ups. There's an amazing guest list on there, everyone from up-and-coming comics through to household names. I've linked to both of those podcasts on the blog post for this episode on our website. Um, And if you enjoyed that, good news, the dads will return for part 10 in 2024. Um, Up next, our childhood theme continues as Alex Fox investigates how the telly you watch as a kid can inform your fetishes later. That's the foxhole after this. Da-da-da-da-da-da-da, Foxhole. That will become relevant in a moment. It's Alex Fox. Hello. Hello, Ollie. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. Yes, how have you been? Well, a couple of new erectile dysfunction treatments have uh, come upon my radar that I thought I'd share. One of them is called Eroxon, which kind of sounds like a robot trying to describe becoming turgid, doesn't it? I have an Eroxon. Um, (laughs) Have they licensed Primal Scream for the TV commercial? That's all I'd care about. (laughs) Get Eroxon. Get, get it rocks on, on baby. Yeah. Um, well, you can get it on topically by smearing it all over your phallus or, oh, okay. or at least the head of your penis because it's a topically applied gel. Okay, but hold on. Immediate question then. What about oral sex? What does it do to people's tongues? Good question. <laughs> and I don't know that yet. I know it's safe to use with condoms and with other lubricants, uh-huh. but I don't know uh, how it tastes or whether it has an effect on your tongue if you suck somebody off. That's a great like idea, though, something that's topical because... You know, I think people do hesitate before taking the likes of Viagra, don't they? Just because of the idea of swallowing a pill might not be something they want to do. Well, supposedly it does have a lot of pros. It delivers a rapid cooling followed by a gradual warming sensation that's designed to wake up the nerves in the penis and then and sort of uh, elicit an erection that way. It helps men to get an erection within 10 minutes of application, so it's super speedy. You don't have to plan uh, taking it or applying it hours before you hope to have sex. Um, It's got a really good safety profile, so people who could maybe not take a drug like Viagra because they have contraindications in their their health, this might be safer for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's got very few and mild side effects, at least that we know of so far, and it has no systemic absorption, so that means it's unlikely to have a long-term effect on your body. Can you get it from a chemist, or do you have to go to their website? Yep, no prescription required. You can get it from somewhere like 
boots. It is on the bit of a pricey side, whereas um, generic Viagra starts off as around £1.73 for a pill. This is closer to 25 quid for four mm. doses. So uh, you do have to put your hand in your pocket in order to get your penis out of your trousers for this one. And it only works <laughs> Not for... Not a general guide. <laughs> it works for around 60% of guys. If a gel isn't for you, though, there's also another uh, new development called the In2 patch, I-N and then the, the number two, um, which is a little uh, sticky electrical pad that no, you wear. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, guess where you plant it? You actually put it between your bum hole and your nads. You Good put it on Lord. your perineum and it delivers... Mary uh, Shelley never came up with anything so disturbing. Uh, I don't think it is disturbing, though. I think it's promising. Um, it delivers a, a, a little bit of electrical stimulation. The patch actually comes in different strengths according to how much zappage you personally require. That activates the muscles in the perineum area to help people delay ejaculation and uh, maintain an erection for longer. You do... How would it delay an ejaculation? Because you're being more stimulated. Well, it's a little bit like performing your Kegels. In the past, I've advised men to activate those muscles that that um, stop the flow of urine yes. in order to have better muscular control of their penis, which allows them to delay if, ejaculation. This device, this Into patch, essentially works the same way, but does those exercises kind of for you. That's a simplistic way of me summarising it, but that's how it works. Interestingly, it's single use. Each patch can only zap you once, and then you chuck it in the bin. Um, I, I'm intrigued as to why they haven't developed a, a rechargeable version. Maybe it's because it's too heavy to fit a battery in there or something. Time for your questions of sex. And this month it comes from Man Fan Chris, who says, Alex, I have a pretty specific fetish. I can trace it back to seeing it on a TV show when I was very young, eight or nine. The programme was the old Adam West Batman TV show. Mm -hmm. The scene involved a lady asking Bruce for a light. I mean, just straight away, you're into fetish territory these days. (laughs) (laughs) Then she blows the smoke from her cigarette in his face, which was poisonous and knocked him out, because obviously. Now I have a fetish for women smoking. I wonder if it's the first time that I found a lady attractive and she just happened to be smoking. It's a very on-off kink. It only really applies if I'm already attracted to the other person. I don't just fancy any and every smoker. So, was that TV show a seed that was planted in my brain and grew into a fetish, or am I subconsciously looking back on it and thinking I like the look of that then? Let's see how it goes now. I'm going to get the Batman and Throbbing joke out of the way before we tackle <laughs> this chicken and egg question. A woman, should we get that one out of the way as well? The caped blue sader does that work (laughs) not really Uh, as an aside i am really interested in smoking fetishes Mm. in a modern context Mm. and i'm intrigued to see how they are going to uh evolve in a macro societal way over the coming decades because smoking particularly in the uk and and western countries is being phased out for things like vaping Mm. and if you go on social media sites you can find all sorts now of hashtag vaping fetish videos. I wonder whether younger generations are going to develop smoking fetishes specific to vapes rather than old-timey cigars and cigarettes. I suppose if you're into pipes, that is basically associating it with an old man now, isn't it? There's no <laughs> yeah, other character that yeah. would conceivably have that. It's crossing some very interesting <laughs> streams there. It's also not uncommon, is it, smoking fetish? You know, casual browsing of porn sites will find people smoking in videos still. 
Oh, absolutely. There's the whole oral fixation. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, in, involved with people's big focus on people's mouths. There's Sharing the t- as well. You sometimes see that, don't you? People blowing smoke into each other. Aha, uh-huh, and yeah. passing a phallic object yes. from one person's face to another. You've also got that focus on hands too mm. and nails. So there's a lot of fetishistic body parts on tobacco there. stained hands. <laughs> <laughs> mm. oh, well, I'm sure for some people there's an olfactory element there as well of the scent of it. And of course, there's the taboo aspect. Smoking is bad for you. Mm. You're told not to do it. Mm. We know that that holds huge law for a lot of people within their sex lives to subvert that. The question here, though, is did watching a villain on uh, an old episode of Batman, when smoking was even allowed to be shown in kids' shows, Mm. affect this particular person's fetish? Does it go all the way back to childhood? Or is this person now, with the horny benefit of hindsight, looking at that material and interpreting it as sexual as an adult? I mean, Um, just the very fact that he thinks he can trace it back to this episode of Batman suggests to me that... Yes. I mean, why would this still be in his head otherwise? It clearly holds some resonance for him. However, I can't give him a definitive answer on whether that is the exact cause of his fetish or whether it was one thing feeding into it or something that he's now recalling and looking back on and maybe has picked out as a memory because of the fetish that he holds now. No one would be able to give him a definitive answer on this because this debate of the complex mechanisms via which fetishes and kinks can be formed has raged amongst psychologists and philosophers and experts for decades. There's no single route via which a fetish emerges. But I think some routes can be surprising. There are particular fetishes and kinks that you might imagine could only be formed in adulthood through adult input. For example, latex and rubber. Mm. You can imagine how someone in their, in their younger life might have realised that they like shiny things from a very innocent point of view or that they like the feeling of being squeezed or hugged tightly mm. and that later in life that, that might translate into uh, wearing tight clothing, things like rubber and latex outfits. But the actual discovery of rubber, you would think, could only come in adulthood, right? Because it's so purely a sexual thing. If you You say so. I'm waiting for these expectations to be challenged. I can feel it coming. Precisely that. I chatted to a guy called Sam. He's he's a massive rubberist. And now he like wears rubber clothing and enjoys rubber focused porn and all that like hardcore, heavy, very adult fetish stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a big part of his world now. And it started? Wellies. Right. Wellies. He said that when they were, uh, like, if there was a Rogue Jewels advert on the telly, he'd feel all funny and turned on. And um, he can recall getting uh, all out of breath perusing the middle aisle of Aldi's whenever they had they had wellies on sale. Mm. Uh, and in particular, it wasn't like black ones or um, equestrian style quite sexy wellies. He likes those kind of army green yellow soled traditional farmer boots you know. Okay so did he have his first sexual experience at Glastonbury? What is it? Well he was brought up in the countryside and originally he thought that that might be where it stemmed from until he actually participated in a a project centred around rubber fetish and uncovered what what he described 
describes as a core memory of being taken into Kidderminster by a parent. It's already sexy. (laughs) He says he recalls being taken shoe shopping and this store having an entire wall full of these green wellies and the smell emanating from them of that, you know, that rubbery stink Mm. being so strong that he could hardly breathe. He was bought a pair of wellies along with some school shoes and he says that as soon as he got home he ran straight upstairs with these welly boots shut the door of his bedroom and can remember sitting on the floor just obsessively smelling them and rubbing them and even hiding them under his bed so that he could enjoy that later right now he probably at that age wouldn't have labeled that as a sexual experience mm. but it was the smell and the feel of rubber exciting him or intriguing him or or making him feel something that you could see how that that could develop as an older person into a sexual fetish i mean to cut through you know what i'm sure is going to be a very enlightening next 10 minutes isn't it basically the case that all our sexual feelings originate in our childhood at some point you know, you can remember the first person you fancied. You can remember the first time you felt the pleasurable sensation of something rubbing on your genitals. And that's likely to be when you're a younger person. It doesn't suddenly happen at 18, does it? Hormones kick in, experiences kick in. And those are the things very often that people look back to nostalgically. You know, the, the feelings they had for someone when they were 14. They're trying to tap into those first rush feelings of sexuality. Absolutely. But what and when feeds in? to those highly idiosyncratic personal developments is unique to each of us, I believe. Um, I spoke to a fellow fetish expert, Calandra Balfour, um, who's working with a new social and dating fetish app called WeRx, who also have um, quite a lot of workshops and lessons and discussions in their app. They're going to need a name change um, now, aren't they? Someone else is X. <laughs> <laughs> we were X. <laughs> anyway, we were chatting about, in a bit more depth, about the ways that our childhood experiences can potentially inform our our adult sexualities. Um, She brought up things like conditioning, the fact that the human brain and body and the ways our neural pathways work are designed so that if something feels any type of good, we tend to do it again. And that, that good feeling might change over time and the way we do that thing might change. But yeah, you can see how something from childhood that felt great for whatever reason might become sexual as we move into adulthood. Uh, We also talked about trauma and how fetishes and kinks can be used as a a coping strategy or a reclamation of or reframing of a traumatic experience. Um, She shared a story with me about one of her clients who um, unfortunately was abused as a child by a nanny who forced him to watch her while she was in the shower. Mm. He now pays a dominatrix to have um, a planned consensual um, scheduled experience if you will where he peeps at her while she washes Mm. and for him that's a way of recontextualizing and taking back the power from that trauma that he's found some comfort in that now being a consensual adult sexual experience for him Um, there's also ways that theories of attachment can interact with with theories of of fetish formation and, and and the formation of our sexualities. If you were, for example, left to cry as a child mm. uh, without your parents coming to give you attention, they just left you to sob it out and you learned to self-soothe by cuddling a soft blanket, for example, um, 
that might potentially translate into finding an allure in silky stockings mm. or in tactile textiles as a grown-up. Calandra also pointed out, going back to the idea of TV shows and kids' TV shows, that they are written by adults. And obviously, the bulk of the material is aimed at children, at innocent kids. Sometimes the creator's unconscious kinks and biases might be reflected in their work, or they might deliberately put in things that are intended to appeal to adults. It's interesting, isn't it? Like, you wouldn't think that CBeebies would be a place for any sensuality but I often think about this as a voiceover artist because I'd love to do a kids show obviously this lot has put pay to that ever happening (laughs) but I I sometimes think about the voices that they choose for those shows Michael Palin does clangers and it's not just the soothing grandfatherly thing it's that there's something deeply relaxing sort of ASMR-y isn't there as an adult listening to that kind of soothing voice over a piece of content that I am not interested in. Well I wanted to learn a bit more about fetishes where a large proportion of people who have them specifically and directly say that they know it was kids TV that kicked this off for them. I spoke to a a group of people who are into wham or wet and messy fetish Mm. aka sploshing so many Dave Benson Phillips fans is that what you're about to say <laughs> Dave Benson Phillips Funhouse Live and Kicking yeah. Noel's House Party Sludge, Dick and Dom slime. for many many people with this wet and messy fetish even though they also talk about the thrill of breaking the cultural taboos of being told that you shouldn't get messy or you shouldn't play with your food or you've got to wash your hands and stay clean uh, and early sensory experiences of enjoying gungy things mm. almost all of them point to something they saw on TV being the beginnings of this intrigue. One guy said that um, he was actually quite frightened of the gunge tank on on telly as a child. It held his attention and commanded his interest because he found it quite scary. Mm. But over time, that feeling of being frightened of being gunged turned into a terror of being found out that he actually found that quite sexually intriguing. It's mm. sort of transmogrified, if you will. And and he said that there was something quite powerful for him about now being thrilled sexually by something that used to absolutely make his hair stand on end with, with fear. Mm. Others told me that they would fixate on how it looked to see someone's swimming goggles fill up with gunge on Dick and Dom and be having this fizzy feeling in their tummy and not being able to identify what the name for that was. Mm. But sort of uh, somehow inherently, instinctively feeling that it was something shameful or something that they shouldn't tell anyone about and sort of watching TV whilst pretending to be far more disinterested in it than they actually were. The fact that a lot of these shows that these people, these these sploshing fans, now view as sexy, have been created primarily for young audiences or to, to be viewed through innocent eyes is something that a lot of them struggle with or they, they, they find navigating that quite tough. Simply because they think fetishising anything from childhood means that they're a step away from fetishising children, basically. I think they're very clear in the majority. But is that that basically the reason that they're worried about it? It, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Many sploshers are concerned about this to such a degree that on one of the most popular sites, any mention 
of kids' TV shows, despite them being cited as the trigger for this fetish for Mm. many people, any mention of them is banned. And yet, bringing it back to Chris's question here, I mean, he's referring to the Batman TV show from the 60s, but it's been quite clear to me. I mean, I remember Batman and Robin coming out when I was about 15. You know, the Joel Schumacher sort of hypersexualized pretty homo version of Batman. Was that the one with the nipples on the suit? <laughs> yes, it yeah. was. That there's a sexual component in Batman and always has, like, you know, ever since then, it's been 30 years nearly of people fetishizing Batman and that's part of the open conversation that children are actually aware of. Absolutely. I mean, look, you've got rubber suits, yeah. latex boots. I mean, Catwoman, remember Michelle Pfeiffer when, yes. or Halle Berry being Catwoman? I mean, that, that's how it was sold, really. And, and I was aware of that as a child. And it's not just the outfits either, is it? It's the, the brooding, secretive personalities and uh, the mystery and mystique of not knowing who these people really are. Mm. And also the duality of Bruce Wayne and Batman. You could compare that to somebody mm. who it's the importance is, of being is earnest, vanilla. Isn't it? Yeah, vanilla in their in their in their public-facing life, but actually deeply fetishistic and uh, very involved in something like BDSM, for example, in their private life. It's that idea that you can be two sides of one coin as a person. Holy smokes, Batman. Um, If you have a question of sex to send to Alex to address on a future edition of the show, what do you need to do with it? Slink out of your bat cave and over to modernmanwith2ends.co.uk and hit feedback. And with that, we've very nearly reached the end of this edition of The Modern Man, but there is just time to appoint a new manbassador. It's Isabel McMahon from Northampton, Massachusetts, who says, I'm a long-time man fan from back in the AMT days, and I appreciate what you're doing, Ollie, with The Modern Man. So much media these days that is ostensibly for adults really seems to be for overgrown children. You do a great job balancing grown-up conversations with fun, casual repartee. Uh, Thank you, Isabel. She continues, It looks like you don't have a ambassador for Western Massachusetts. I'll humbly take the job if you'll have me. Isabel, I will. It's yours. Congratulations. Uh, If you'd like to be a ambassador, buy us a beer, drop us a line. Links are on the website. Until next time, our music is by Django Django. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer, Matt Hill. And we'll see you with something new on September the 10th. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.